You know those moments you have where you think, oh my gosh, I was supposed to be here right now. I was supposed to hear this. I was supposed to be a part of this. And this is kind of life-changing. I really hope this episode is that for you. Maybe that sounds like a high hopes, but here's why. Because our guest today is going to inspire you to just keep putting one step in front of the other. Walk out in faith and just go where you are being called, but keep going, keep trusting. More importantly, this episode is going to make a difference in our world and here's why. Because there's a part of our community that we, I think, don't all think about very often. That is our foster care community. And there are so many incredible things going on in this world to help exactly these people who need us. And I'm pretty sure you and your family are exactly who would excel at helping foster care families and these children within your own community. Today we are talking with Susan Ramirez. She is happily married to her husband, Chris. She is raising her two rambunctious boys, Ryder who's seven and Reed who's four, and they live just south of Austin. She spends her days balancing between motherhood and being the CEO of National Angels, a nonprofit to help children and families in foster care. You all sit back, enjoy this. I hope you just love it and share it and tell people what is going on that is so good in this world. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to families that stick together to step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted, turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now my mom, who unstrapped a quesadilla maker on her head, Jennifer Zambio. Hello, Susan. Welcome to the show. I am so excited for you to share with our listeners today. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for taking the time to allow me to tell everybody a little bit more about what we're doing here at National Angels. It's a real honor. Well, likewise, because I know you're very busy, but this is such an important thing. And I think so many people need to hear more about your mission for a community that we don't often all think about. You are the founder and CEO of National Angels, where your mission is to wrap your arms around the children and caretakers in the foster care system. It started with just an idea around a dinner table in 2009 in Austin, Texas, and has grown to 22 chapters around the United States. It's an impressive accomplishment, but at the beginning of 2009, I'm pretty sure that wasn't even your vision. Your story is one of just truly putting one foot in front of the other to see where you are called and just 
hearing and witnessing how God would use your steps for something so much bigger. Susan, I'd love for you to take us through the story of how serving the foster care community was placed on your heart. So my background is in corporate America. I was actually a sales trainer. Intentional goal setting was really important to me. It was 2009. I was sitting around a dinner table with a bunch of really close girlfriends, and we were all deciding our New Year's resolutions. And one by one, each woman around the table had said, you know, typical New Year's resolutions. I want to read more. I want to lose weight. I want to be a more intentional mom. And when it got to me, I said, you know, I want to volunteer in our community just one day a month. And my New Year's resolution has all of you in it because I want to do this together. And so kind of all the the women around the table were like, okay, what are you getting us into here? That was Christmas time of 2009. And then fast forward, I had never, believe it or not, I had never volunteered not one day in my life prior to doing this. So I literally go onto Google and I say, how do you volunteer in Austin? Website popped up and I typed in there, you know, my interests were women and children. I get on this match site, reached out, called one and said, hey, never volunteered before, but I got a great group of girlfriends and we want to come in and serve. We ended up at a battered women and children shelter and went in and and did some room makeovers and it was pretty incredible. And we went back the second month and we made over more rooms. And right before we were going to go back on the third month, my girlfriend at the time was teacher at a school, a very, very, very low income school where like 98% of the children were on the free lunch program. And I said, go to your counselor and see if there's like a single mom or somebody who could use kind of some support services. And so she said, great, I'll find somebody. And right before we went back to the shelter in March, my friend came back to us and said, Susan, we have identified a family that needs this support. And actually now more than ever, they need the support because there is a mom that is living with her mom in a manufactured home right next to the school. The mom was working minimum wage, two jobs. They had a work visa, had five kids. And the mom had died in a tragic car accident and left all five kids to grandma. And at that moment, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is so much bigger than throwing sheets on a bed and paint on the wall and helping with this makeover. This is something really big. So I went to go visit this, this grandma who was raising these kids. And I said, how can we help you? What, what do you need? And she said, uh, we need everything. We have nothing. And so I went back to my desk because I was still working at the time, of course, because this volunteer whole thing was just you know, never in my wildest dream did I ever think it would turn into what it is today. And so I went back to my computer and I sent an email out to my entire network. And I said, the best thing that we can do for this family is if you will send this to your entire network. And what happened was that email landed in the lap of an attorney out in Houston, Texas, who contacted me and said, Susan, I'd be happy to write a check for this family but only if I can receive a tax receipt. And I said, well, geez, I don't know how to help you there. We're just a bunch of friends that get together and volunteer. And he said, well, you know, every year I file some pro bono work and be happy to file the paperwork for you if you want to create a nonprofit. Sounds like you've got a good thing going there. And I remember sitting back from work, you know, sitting back at my desk, you know, at work and going, okay, God, this feels like something so big. And you would literally have to say this in order for me to like, 
kind of walk through the door and go, okay, this is what I want because this is not my vision. Uh, this was what I believe was his vision all along. And so he was making it so easy. I did not have this big grandiose vision to create a nonprofit. Number one, to create a national nonprofit. Didn't even think about serving children in the foster care system. Like it wasn't until months later that that was exposed and, and put in place on my heart. So you know, if you're listening to this story, you don't even know how big your dreams and visions can become until you just say, okay, I'll do it. And so that's kind of the story of how we got started. Wow, Susan. I just, I love your story. It is so inspirational because of really just the simple fact that it really was just putting one foot in front of the other. And I love what you just said that you didn't even have a vision to create this and you you don't have to know what to do. You just have to say yes when you are are called. Thank you for that on behalf of everybody whose life you've changed. Until I met you last year, I hadn't really thought about the foster care community, not in the sense of being uncompassionate towards them or not caring about them. I just think it's not what a lot of people talk about or put in our laps. The truth is we're all walking among a whole lot of people probably in our communities and at the grocery store who this is affecting. And I, I just don't think about this segment of the community that is so important and it is so needed. And thank you for opening that because obviously you've touched so many people. You have 22 national angel chapters right now, right? And this spans across the whole United States. That's correct. And I, I just want to affirm you and say that you are not alone. In fact, almost every single time I get up and speak or do a podcast, people are floored because people don't even know that there is a need, but there is not just a need. It's a massive need. So when we think about things like overpopulated prison systems, there is statistics that say that the majority of people who are living in prison spent time in foster care. And when we look at the majority of children who are human trafficked in the United States, they are directly coming from the foster care system. And when we look at our homeless population, nationally, we know that 50% spent time in foster care. And so our organization has morphed into how do we change the way that children not only experience care? And how do we change the way that families experience care? But how do we empower and equip our families so much that they're thriving in a system that is super complicated to navigate? How do we prevent children from moving on average seven times within two years? Let's just pause there for a second because one of my greatest motivation and drivers is that when a child moves, they are on average six months behind from an educational standpoint. And that is why 50% of our youth don't graduate high school. Well, we know what happens, right? If you can't get a GED or graduate high school, you're less likely to get a job. And here's the thing about jobs is that jobs can help change people's lives at a bare minimum. Our children who grow up in care should be able to graduate high school. But then beyond that, Shouldn't every child be seen and loved and validated and cherished? Shouldn't they have relational permanency? So our organization is built to surround families who are fostering to keep children in placement 
because we believe the closest touch point to healing is in one great foster families. So how do we have a child stay in one placement and support the family so much and the children so much that they can stay there so that we can prevent them from moving from home to home to home to home to home only to get further and further and further behind only for the trauma to increase every single time. And of course, it's a pipeline that is paved for children that go from this system to the streets, to homelessness, to prison. And I just believe with all of my heart and with every fiber in our being, in my being, that we can do better for the children in our own community. And I believe it because I get to see it every single day. I get to watch kids rise and reach their fullest potential. I get to see the weary, tired, and hurting foster parent get restored in their hope and in community and empowerment because somebody says, Hey, I see you. Your life matters. It matters to me. I want to walk this journey with you to ensure that you have everything that you have so you don't have to put in a removal notice, so that you feel empowered to go the extra mile. I mean, we do this as we surround mothers who have a newborn, but we're not doing this for the people who are caring for these children. And not everyone is called to foster and not everyone is called to adopt, but every single person can play a role and make a difference in a child and in a family's life. And so that is our program. And we do that in 22 chapters across the country. But our vision is to open a chapter in every metropolitan city across our country, because there are over 430,000 children at any given time in the foster care system. So we have a massive, huge way to go because our vision is to reach and serve every child no matter where they are in the country because every child deserves the opportunity to rise up and reach their fullest potential and every family who decides to do this should be supported in their journey oh susan no wonder god appointed you to this oh my gosh i want to stand up and like give you a standing ovation here girl um that was so powerful. I'm so moved. So I've heard you say every child, and I'm going to say this incorrectly, I'm sure. Every child deserves one adult who loves them and knows their name and gives them attention. What, what do you say? What's your phrase yeah. you say? So every single child deserves at least one healthy adult who knows the color of their eyes and the passions of their heart. And sometimes that one healthy adult is an amazing foster parent, an amazing teacher. And then sometimes that looks like having one more healthy adult in the form of a love box leader, which is the program we do, or a dare to dream mentor. The more healthy relationships that we can surround children, the better off they're going to be. And if you think about this, your kids probably have grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, your best friends, lots of people who are pouring into them. The key to this is that we have to have these people show up in these children's lives consistently. And that's the big thing. The problem with children who are in care, there's so much fluidity. They're always moving. They're, they're always changing places. And so for us, it's how do we create relational permanency so that they have a consistent, healthy adult that knows the color of their eyes and the passions of their heart, and then exposes them to things like extracurricular activities and things like arts and music and dance and basketball and camps and Christmas and all the things. 
Okay. So I want to go back to that because I want, I want you to take us through what that looks like, but I just resonate with that point so much because exactly what I'm doing with together and I'm doing that with people who already live with their family members who love them. We all have this desire for someone to just know us more. Just let me share my heart with you. And I want to feel that you want to be a part of me, part of my heart, and that we are mutually getting to know each other and bonding over that. And I love that so much that just really, it just makes me want to reach out and do everything I can. There's not a National Angels in the Cincinnati area. There's not one anywhere in Kentucky. Is there? I don't think there is. Not, not yet. (laughs) I think that we have such common goals there that I, I really, I really like what you are doing so much, obviously. Just that communication part with these children is so, so important because it, it does build them up. I taught high school for eight years. And as you were talking about that, I'm thinking back and, and there was this one girl who she was a freshman and she would come to me after school and just talk to me every day about some hard, hard situations going on at home. I know it was just because of what you said. She just wanted an adult she could trust to know her and hear her heart and let her just open up and feel loved by somebody because it was so hard at home for her. Susan, tell us about the Love Box program because I know those are mentor families or one mentor What does that look like from starting point of getting your child? We've got two main programs that we focus on. So we've got the Love Box program and the Dare to Dream. And I'll tell you a little bit about both. So the Love Box program is created to wrap support around the entire family. Let's say mom and dad decide to foster. Now everybody in the home decides to foster. That means biological children or adopted children. Everybody makes the sacrifice, not just mom or dad. When we piloted the program, we said, what would it look like if we literally walked along the journey with a family? And so we focus on three areas of impact in the Love Box program. So let's say that you and your husband and maybe your small group decides, you know what, I want to be in the Love Box program. We would assign you a family based on scope of needs. So what happens is we do a need assessment. So we have a relationship with all the local placement agencies. We have a relationship with the state. We'll get a foster family's information. They go into our database. And then you as a volunteer will contact us and say, you know what, we've got six couples here. We want to adopt a foster family to walk the journey with them. You identify one love box leader who will then be paired with the foster parent, find out what are the needs of the family. Maybe they have a high financial need. Well, we want to make sure that we're pairing people. Some people have the ability to give financially. Some people have the ability to give time. And so let's say you're like, you know, we've got a couple of kids and we want to be with young kids. We just go into our database and we make sure that we're matching you in the appropriate and correct correct way. And then your group will be assigned to one specific family within the same zip code. And what we want you to do is build a relationship with the caretakers. Our love boxes go to everyone in the home. 
you know, maybe they've got two children, two biological children and adopt a child and one child who's in the foster care system. So they've got four kids. Well, if you show up for something for Jimmy, you also have to show up for something for Johnny and Samantha and Susie. And so everything is equal in the household because the last thing you want to do is come just to visit the child who's in foster care and then ostracize the other children. And you want to create community as a whole by strengthening the family unit. In October, that looks like creating boo boxes, being able to provide Halloween costumes and candy. Christmas, that looks like Christmas presents. The intentional giving piece means that the family has everything that they need in order to be successful. Some have a high financial need. Some are like, you know what? We don't need that. And so we really customize it to the family. It's not a one size fits all. Every single match is going to look different because a family's scope of needs are going to be different. The other component is the relationship building. So, you know, when we talk about exposing our kids to normalcy and, and we talk about, we use the saying, every single child deserves one healthy adult who knows the color of the eyes and the passions of their heart. The passions of their heart piece is where it's really big on the building the relationship. Maybe Johnny always wanted to be in baseball. And so that would look like picking him up and maybe taking him to baseball and paying for his entry fee and his cleats and being there for games on Saturday, but building a relationship around his passions of his heart. And most kids don't even know what they're passionate about because they've never been exposed. So that could look like, you know what, this month I'm going to bring an art kit and we're going to work on, we're going to do some art. And the month after that, we're going to go to a play and I'm going to have you sign up for swim lessons. I'm going to expose you to normalcy and expose you to camp and extracurricular and build a relationship and pull those kind of giftings out of you because every single child has a gifting. And so let's make sure that we're exposing them of their good things and helping them to, to really have that self confidence. And then lastly is mentorship. The mentorship piece looks like maybe visiting them at school, engaged in their schoolwork. Maybe that means picking them up two days a week and helping them with homework. And it also looks like how are we loving on the family and how are we meeting the family's needs? So maybe the family has needs like, you know, we'd really love for you to help us with transportation or to family visits. We'd love for you one week in a month to take them for a week. We are just looking at what are the family's needs and how do we meet them? But that's basically the three areas of impact that we focus on. Susan, if I was a love, would I be called a love box family? What would I be yes. called? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I was a love box family and my child that I was helping got moved to another family, I stick with them, correct? It can be a complicated thing, but the hope is that you're offering and providing so much stability that the child stays in the same foster placement versus going to a new foster placement. Inevitably, there are things that happen for very, you know, many reasons. And so that child could move. If the child moved within the same driving radius where you felt comfortable committing, then the answer would be yes, you follow them. And in some cases, when the children are reunified, we highly encourage for the love box group to follow the child back to reunification and then be the support system for the biological family. Because chances are they don't have any resources or any support either. And you've already built a relationship with the child. In cases where we have children where there's two or three foster placements in one home and they all are in three different directions and one gets moved and one stays and one goes back. And what we do is we look at the group and say, okay, you two have been really consistent in Jimmy's life. 
how do you feel about following him and the other groups stay here? So we split groups up and then we basically reform groups, especially if it's a high financial needed family where they need lots of support if you've got four or five kids. And so I think there's this big misconception that foster families are getting rich and doing this for the wrong reasons. And there may be a few, but I would say being in this work for 10 years, I have yet to find a family and we serve hundreds of families. I have yet to find a family who's not just a bleeding heart wanting to do everything they can to offer a safe and stable placement for these kids. And so wouldn't it be incredible if all we had to do was walk alongside a family to keep children in placement? I just really love that whole idea of consistency for these children so that they can just rely on those people and know that it's someone that they can trust even if things get shaken up in their world. I think that we can compare your work with National Angels even to just building a family, right? You you see that goal, you want to stand for it, you want to make a difference in your circle, but it can be exhausting. There's a lot of outside pressures making you feel like you can't keep up. It's hard to keep standing for your values. Susan, what do you think as I'm sitting here listening to you and hearing how just that one idea, I, I need to volunteer a little more, has led to this? It's so amazing to me. How do you think you kept moving forward when there had to be so many other outside forces saying, no, who am I to do this? Or I can't find all these resources or this is never going to work. What do you think really kept you continuing to take that risk? Well, I think, you know, if I'm being just a hundred percent truthful and honest, when I was wrapping up the pilot of our Love Fox program. You know, I knew that God was calling me to leave my corporate America job to do this, but I was too afraid because nothing, if you look at my resume and you look at my work experience, there was nothing that said, hey, you should go open up a nonprofit. You'd be great at it. There is just not anything that would make me eligible to do this work. And so the self-doubt was real. And also it was a lack of faith and, and feeling like, and here's what, what I mean by lack of faith is, you know, the, the comfortability of knowing a steady paycheck is coming in. I just didn't know if I was willing to do the economic sacrifice on my family. I knew what this was going to mean emotionally, the toll it was going to take on me. And so I just kind of felt like, you know, I've got one foot in this and one foot out. I'm doing what you've asked me to do here, God. And he just kept saying, no, you're not. And I'm telling you what to do. And you're not listening. Today's bonus question with Susan is from Together for Advent. Yes, we're talking about Christmas, but you all, this is such a wonderful addition to your Advent traditions. Instead of doing a calendar where you just go through what happens in the biblical story of Christmas, you still get to read through that, but this time you get to answer a question together style. It's really fun. Imagine this, you have all your fun together stickers plus a fold out wreath page that you hang up where you place all your stickers to count up the days to Christmas and remind your family of all these incredible conversations and grow closer and stronger during a season that can feel stressful, not to mention very busy. And today we're gonna do that with Susan. Watch for these on sale beginning in October at togethermoments.com because we do pre-sale and when they're gone, they're gone. Share a story where God 
did the impossible. Well, I think that's really my whole story as it pertains to National Angels. I never had a vision to turn this little old volunteer kind of dream that I had in my heart at the time when I launched this was just to give back in my community. If God can take a girl like me and allow me to be what feels like the glue and all the other people that are a part of this organization kind of be the glitter. You know, when people say like, oh, well, who am I to do this or that? We just never truly understand what God can do in our lives until we allow Him to do it. And so one of the things I always tell people who are you know, thinking about launching a chapter is I say, you, know, you just need to pray to God and ask Him to open up doors. And if you will be faithful and walk through those doors, it, it is unbelievable. If I take a moment and look at what we have created together, me saying yes to this without having all the answers, without knowing all the things, but just saying, I believe that you have called me here and I will be faithful, but man, do I need him in this work. And so I think this whole organization is just that. You hand the Lord your fishes and loaves and he will multiply it. So all of a sudden my, my corporate job just became a real, I mean, there is a rustling I'm telling you, if you've got a burning desire in your belly, if you cannot shake a constant nagging thought of, I am passionate about whatever, fill it in, in the blank, that's God's whisper to say, hey, I'm calling you for something bigger and you don't even know. I mean, if I take a step back and, and look at the, you know, my life, it was right at the end of uh, 2014, I had gone to church. It was, there was a sermon about, uh, G Jesus was walking out on the water and Peter says to him, who are you? And he says, it is I. And he says, well, if it is you, then tell me to come to you. And in one word, Jesus says, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat. And so he's too standing on water, looking at Jesus. And then, you know, he looks down at the waves and, and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, you have very little faith. And the preacher said in that very moment, he said, what is God calling you out of the boat to do, but you're too afraid to do it? And maybe if you would just keep, keep your eyes fixated on him, that you too could walk on water. I remember so vividly in that moment feeling like God's calling me, but I'm too afraid. And maybe if I would just keep my eyes fixated on him, that I too could do something incredible. Okay. I'm over here. Like I have the chills and I'm starting to get teared up. You will never believe that's <laughs> the reading that was in my devotional this morning. So at this point in the interview, Susan and I go on to have a little bit of a heart to heart by ourselves. That morning, I had read the exact same scripture in my devotional and felt a huge tug from God speaking to me about not being fearful. And it was so cool because come to see that later in that day, he brought me Susan to remind me of this message. It's a great example of how we need to be aware of where God is speaking to us and how we are being called to serve those around us, no matter how small or how big we might think it is, we have got to listen. Yeah, I mean, we have had so many challenges, but I what I will say is that it is worth it. And you can never understand until you fully immerse yourself and say, I'm okay to fail and I'm going to give you my whole heart. I'm going to give you everything that I've got and God just use me for your will. Whatever your will, let it be done. 
I'm listening to you right now. And I think for anyone listening on the other side, God's will for you doesn't have to be building a giant nonprofit or starting a business out of your home. Sometimes that yes, it is just the little thing that just involves your own family in your own four walls. That can be equally as hard, whatever that might be for you. And I think when we reach out and just say, yes, okay, I'll trust you in this, that like you said, you have no idea what it's going to be used for. Absolutely. Because this was never my vision ever. This was one foot in front of the other every single day, deciding to show up fully and keep my eyes fixated on Jesus and say, what do you have for this, for us? And when I quit my job, so right after that, preacher had said that to me. I went to my husband. I said, I really believe that God is calling me to quit my job. And my husband said, well, listen, if this is God calling you to the, you know, to quit your job, I'm certainly not going to stand in the way and we'll figure it out. We will, you know, we will figure out a way to make this work. There has been so many trials and tribulations along the way. I don't want to paint a picture that, you know, it won't be hard, but it will be worth it. And, and, you know, as I sit here and I think about all the families that have been impacted and all the children. We have 150 leaders across our organization leading and, uh, you know, in their communities and doing amazing work. And we get to hear stories about children who say, I love you for the first time. And they attach to their caregivers and, and we see adoption take place. And we see reunification stories of love box leaders who have followed them and created incredible community and impact I never had that vision. I will just continue to show up every single day until God no longer needs me. Because, you know, sometimes we think that it's about us and this is not about us, but this is about the user on the other end who needs the giftings that you have. And you have every single thing that you need in order for God to do what he's going to do in your life. I just believe that. If he can take a girl like me and do work like this, there are so many amazing things that he can do in each one of us. Susan, tell us what would be the top three things you would hope for someone who's listening right now to know about the foster care community that you maybe haven't talked about on here that you think would move them even more to what you know this change could do for our world? Well, I want people to know that there is beauty and there is hope in foster care. And I think, you know, if we collectively were in a room with 10,000 people and we said, raise your hand if you've heard that the foster care system is broken, I would guarantee you that 99% of people would raise their hand. And what I want people to know and feel and understand is that, yes, it is hard to be in the foster care system and experience all the things that go on, but there is so much beauty and hope. And I always want to be in an organization that focuses on empowerment and community and hope. And so you don't have to have a big fancy degree in child counseling or therapy to make a difference in a child's life. I always say that if you can read, then you can empower a child. You can go and sit next to a four-year-old who's never been read to and bring a new book and a picnic every other week and you can sit and read books to that child. You can go and bring coffee to a foster mom every Monday and do devotional or just spend time with them. You know, we are not a Christian organization, but you can tell by talking to me for five minutes, you know, it is the compass in which I lead this organization. And so you can love on a family however you do with your friends and family. And so it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be complicated. The same thing that you would do for a girlfriend who was just having a newborn, 
that can make all the difference in the world. So it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. That's awesome. I, I love that you just said that. Just It's so simple. It's much more simple than we think. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit. We think, well, I don't have time to do all this because it's going to involve so much. It's not. There's so much that we can be used for. Susan, one last thing here. What if I want to help with National Angels, but there's not a chapter near me. Now, of course, I could start a chapter (laughs) and we could reach out to you and figure out how to do that. But where else would you lead somebody who just wants to dive into the foster care community hands-on? Yeah. So what I would say is the first step is to visit nationalangels.org or follow us on social media because we give people a lot of opportunity to serve. So an example is that right now, all of our chapters are gearing up for back to school. And so maybe that means like tangibly you can ship backpacks or school supplies, or you can do an Amazon order and ship it to one of our locations. So that's one way you can get involved. A good telltale sign that maybe you should start a chapter or really look into it is if in a week from now, you can't stop thinking about this and you start sharing this podcast and you start really, you know, if you can't shake this, there's a link on our website to apply to become a chapter and and to get more information. So there's an opportunity there. And I would say that you can also help to sponsor love boxes that go to families high need. There's always one time needed boxes. So what happens is when a family comes, they get on our wait list before they get matched. They might have needs. We're getting to the fall here before too long and lots of kids will need coats and things like that. And so you can reach out to any chapter and you can do one-time boxes. And ultimately, you know, there are so many incredible nonprofit organizations that support children and families in foster care. We are not the only ones, certainly. And so what I would say is do what I did back in 2009, which is pull out Google and just type in how to support foster families in X city. So wherever you are, and see what pops up. And, you know, it just doesn't hurt for you to pick up the phone and say, listen, I've never done this before, but I'm listening to a podcast and I want to support a foster family. What services do you have where I could support a child or family in your area? And you might find that there's a local organization that needs some support. So I would say that. Thank you for that. I wanted you to tell everyone that there were a lot of ways they could actually help National Angels without having a chapter near them because we can always reach out. And the last question we ask everybody, what's one thing helping your family stick together right now? Well, you know, we have tried to do more outdoor things than we have ever done before. So I would say lots of bike rides, lots of evening walks, lots of pushing on the swing set, jumping on the trampoline, and then cooking. So I've got two young boys. Like I had said earlier, I've got a four and a seven-year-old and getting them in the kitchen and actually making them helping me cook is a great way that's helping us kind of stick together. I love that. I love the outdoor activities and I have seen your pictures and posts of you with the boys. (laughs) They're doing some great work over there in your kitchen. Yeah, thank you. Please tell everybody more about where they can connect with you and of course with National Angels and their local chapter. Yeah, so you, I mean, if you wanted to follow me, I do have an Instagram account. I am Miss Susan Ramirez and that is MRS, Miss Susan Ramirez on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. And then would love for you to follow us at National Angels 
and you can find locally. If you go to nationalangels.com, you can find a chapter nearest you. And I would definitely encourage you to get plugged in locally. I have enjoyed this so much. I feel like this podcast episode could end up being about three hours. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All I really feel like saying to wrap up this episode is, wow, I just hope you're inspired. I hope you are inspired to dream big and answer the call and put one foot in front of the other for where you feel that your gifts are being called to serve. And I also pray that you will take time to learn more about the foster care community in your area, more about National Angels, maybe get your small group, your coworkers, anyone to just join in to be a love box family for someone or somehow reach out. If there is not a National Angels in your community, see about starting one. Maybe you know someone who this could be a perfect fit for. Maybe it's you. Share this episode with them. Introduce them to Susan through Instagram, whatever it might be. I pray that you guys will answer that call and that you will share these feelings with someone else to hopefully inspire them and their strong family too. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, Take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.